Welcome to No Cartridge Audio. My name is Trevor Strunk, Hagelbon on Twitter. And uh, with us today, uh, I'm lucky to have my friend uh, and uh, fighting game uh, advocate, and uh, not that he's here to talk about that today specifically, uh, but video game savant all around, uh, Ian Renfro. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at uh, Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, Finito, F-I-N-I-T-O. Uh, Ian, thanks so much for coming. Oh, thanks for, so much for having me on. I'm, I'm very pleased about that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so you came to here to talk to us about uh, difficult games. Uh, and so could you explain that a little to us? Uh, difficulty is, is two, for me, is two different things. It's uh, one, knowledge of the game, of any any type of game. I mean, you it's like knowing what the button input is, what the tech tree is, all those things. All those things add to difficulty because it's the information density and the and enough a bunch of stuff you have to keep in mind and the second one is the pure mechanical part it's the actions per per minute thing in starcraft it's those really difficult combos in in fighting games it's trying to you you've seen those weird uh mouse rhythm games where you have to click a bunch that is that is also incredibly difficult so those two things together kind of form two separate axes and they and, and games kind of go on either either axis. Uh, for example, I would say uh, XCOM has a lot of knowledge. Difficult, you have to know a lot of stuff if you play it on like Iron Man or like really hard Iron Man. But you don't really have to click really well to win. There's no oh man. I clicked that guy so hard, I'm going to win this. There's no, there's no timing, there's no mechanical thing, but it's all knowledge and like strategy and stuff. And then, then you have like the complete other axes is, is stuff like insanely difficult rhythm games where it's um, supreme, you know, it's like this weird mix of rope memorization. But also like hand-eye twitch coordination, and and these two things together kind of form the other axes. Um, so that's my idea of what what makes a game difficult, and a lot of different games like show up on different axes on this. So okay, so that's interesting. So like you have these two axes of of, of difficulty. Um, how do you understand? Like how do you imagine? Uh, well, so there's basically two ways I can think about this working, and I'm sure there'll be more. But one would be players, right? Like how players interact with it. And the other would be how studios interact with it, like to make games. Um, so maybe let's start with players. Like how do, you, how do you see this kind of creating scenes or creating sort of like genres or aesthetics uh, just based around difficulty alone? Well, um, I would say uh, like... The community around difficult games is is a lot about knowledge sharing. Uh, doesn't matter actually what axes it's it's on. It's all about knowledge sharing. Um, a good example of this would be mm. the the multiple Dark Souls wikis. Um, they're a wealth of information. It's, it's so dense, but a lot of the discussion about like how and what and why. Uh, are in like the, the little, little discussion pages as like how do I do this and wait like how 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 if I'm doing a speed run 
uh, how many steps do I have to take before I have to do the roll down the hill and stuff like that. It's the communities that form up around him are a bunch of people who want to help each other be better at whatever type okay. of game. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's like it's it's something I noticed especially with Dark Souls when I was playing it that there mm. wasn't it, it feels like in the past and this is partially because of when I grew up in like the Nintendo era, there was like a a taboo against asking uh for help or finding out how to do something, right? Like the the idea of spoilers yeah, was totally. big or the idea of figuring out something yourself was big. Um and looking at these looking totally. at the game facts for Dark Souls or looking at like things for difficult games, and Dark Souls in particular it never felt like anyone was judging me for trying to figure it out. Um, like Definitely. that stuff was just kind of offered freely as part, as like sort of a, an added codex of the game. Totally. Um, it's interesting you bring up game facts because that's kind of where the uh, information trend started. Um, if you go back to the, well, I, I would say it kind of started around the PS1 era because that's when people started being really online. Okay. Um, and that's where you get these really huge tech, text documents about, uh, I don't know, Warhawk or uh, the, the Space Hulk game. And, and people would, you know, type out 6,000, no, sorry, 10,000 word docu- documents about how to complete this game and, any, and master all its, you know, intricacies. Right. And that was shared freely, and uh, like as you know, none of the people who do facts for game facts get paid. It's it's all done for free, and kind of for like there's some there's some prestige element in there, mm-hmm. of course, but it's it's more to share your information, and then you can, you know, go well, okay, I, I found this, and. Uh, uh, but and then you can email the guy and say, well, you can actually uh, kill the third boss by, uh, you know, using the yellow star. <laughs> right. And he'll be like, oh yes, uh, I'll definitely add you know, that. Goku, yeah. Goku five thousand uh, wrote me an email said you can defeat him by using the yellow star. So I'm going to put it in. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's it reminds me also of like it felt like initially there was kind of this gray economy of um you know cheat codes and stuff like that. Not that. The economy yeah. parts maybe a little a little uh, excessive because no again as you say no one was being paid but it felt almost like finding them was the um, the cost you put in like I remember oh yeah I remember there being like I don't know Nintendo Power and Game Pro and those ga- those uh, magazines were where you would find all the stuff uh, so like the code yes. sections of those magazines would be like you know worth their weight in gold until the internet happened and then all of a sudden. There were like whole web pages dedicated to like you know how to cheat in the shadows of the empire or something like that, um, totally. and, and so like you know that once you found that or were able to print it out in in the old days or like now just look at it like that that added so much to the the experience as like sort of the secondary um, I don't know avenue or resource I'm, I'm not quite sure how to explain it. It's like a companion. Yeah, piece. that's a good way of thinking about it. Um, and uh, like when you go back to like old old uh, things like Nintendo Power and stuff, people were really in the dark uh, before I- internet times and mass sharing of, of information regarding difficult games. I mean, you could you could complete for like for example like Solstice uh, for the NES at home. That game's really hard, 
and it has a lot of information and nobody tells you anything. <laughs> anything. Yeah. It, it's like a wizard uh, alchemy platformer in an isometric view. It's, it's kind of weird. It's kind of cool. Also kind of difficult. And you have no idea what's going on if you're like an eight-year-old kid. Yeah, no, of course not. Uh, so, uh, and, and Nintendo Power wouldn't write about that either because there's no sales in it. They would basically just write a, about the the big games. So, and, and I think that's kind of where the whole Game Facts thing started. Of you know, I want to, I, I figured out how to do this thing, so I'm going to share it with people. Mm. And, and um, how this goes back to like, uh, during the, I would say. The uh, PS2 era, that, that's when, uh, on the other side of the equation, the developers kind of made games really accessible. Um, and, and that kind of made the game facts less important, if that makes sense. Uh, you didn't need a fact to like complete Dynasty Wars. You only needed a fact to find all the characters. Mm. Yeah. yeah, I remember. I remember the like that sort of introduction of characters being the the kind of central added value or the central sort of like difficulty th- difficult to find thing being being a thing. Like uh, Final Fantasy VII was a good example of this. Um, with, like, oh yeah, Duffy and Vincent. Um, even I mean, even some like games started like playing around with it with um, uh, getting Magus and Chrono Trigger stuff like that or. The romance yeah, of the Three yeah, Kingdoms def- games or whatever, but really, you're right. Like around PS1, PSX, and PS2, that idea of like it's not it's not going to be difficult to play all of the base content in this game. What's going to be difficult or tricky is finding this added content we've included. That if you're like a real, yeah. if you're really into it, you're going to want to find. I mean, and difficult games still existed. Uh, most of them were arcade ports because that's how arcades right. work. Uh, there, there is a, a if you limit yourself to a certain amount of credits arcade games are actually incredibly difficult because they're meant to suck your money out of your pockets yeah i mean it's like playing it's like playing um i mean ikaruga is a little different than this i guess but like if you play something like um i don't know like the airwolf game or or um oh yeah yeah or like i don't know any of those old fighting games or anything like that they're they're or time uh time crisis they're like you're never going to get through the game on one quarter. I mean, you could. It would be just extraordinarily difficult. That that, but that's the allure of them, mm-hmm. and, and that's also why, for example, those games still kind of sold well on on your on your consoles, because the allure of doing that well is 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 enticing. It's like, yeah, I completed it on one credit, no big yeah, deal, right? right. <laughs> Even though it's a huge deal for you, um, and, and uh. That was a thing that um, what was the name? Uh, Illy Boshin talked on uh, on last. Yeah, episode? definitely. There's the there's the sense of um, uh, the sense of like what is the hardcore element to the game versus like yeah. you know the buy-in you have to have or something like that. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, because he talked a lot about uh, the empowerment fantasy. Mm. Uh, like for example, for Assassin's Creed or, or other things, where it, it, the empowerment is is made manifest manifest for you, and therefore you can just go into the fantasy wholesale. You you're you're Correct. a god. Yeah. Uh, but uh, difficult games kind of go on the other side. Also, it says, um, 
the empowerment is there for you, but there is no empowerment without mastery. It's very Nietzschean, kind of. Yeah, no, it's, it is. I mean, and it goes back to Dark Souls, which seems to be... And I, I someday I'll figure out why... Uh, this particular game is such a locus classicus for this because there are difficult games both before and after it. But Hell you know, yeah. Dark Souls is just like it's this really interesting example of it where the game just keeps encouraging you to get better, you know, incidentally or not. Like it's not as if you set out to get better at Dark Souls. You don't grind in Dark Souls necessarily. I mean, you could. Um, you could, uh, yeah. But that's not really. It's not totally the way the game encourages you to play. It's kind of incidental. Um, but, you know, I mean, you just slowly get better and better at the game, and you figure out what you're doing, and you get your feet under you, and then I'll, then the game kind of opens up a little bit. Um, and that's much different would, than having a power fantasy. Definitely. But the power fantasy is still there, Dark Souls. Uh, but but it's not it's not immediate. Because Dark Souls um, rewards, more than anything, it rewards patience. That's true. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> it, it, rewards, it rewards patience more than anything, and it really tries to beat this into your head that you got to be patient and then there's a reward for it and uh, the way it does that is kind of like when you fail in dark souls it's it, you know it kind of sucks you lose all your souls whatever but the drawback is not that bad and you're immediately back into the action mm -hmm. the the safe state so to yeah. speak is is really short and you're back in there and you'd be like Okay, I didn't know that demon was there. I'll go back and fix it next time. Right, exactly. I, I'll go back and fix it next time because now I know. Mm -hmm. And and as they say in uh, in GI Joe, that knowing is half the battle, and that is definitely true <laughs> in Dark Souls. Right. It, it really it's probably is. more than half. It, it, yeah. It, it it rewards knowledge so hard. You can be a, a like a super hardcore Twitch guy, like a. I, I came into Dark Souls myself when playing a, a bunch of uh, third-person action character games or whatever they're called. Mm -hmm. Stuff like Devil May Cry, Ninja Gaiden, uh, Bayonetta and, and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, sure. Um, and I usually play those on really high difficulties because I like being one with the controller and having that uh, feel of mastery of and empowerment at the same time. And you can do that in Dark Souls... But it also punish you, punishes you even if you are that good because it, it it really emphasizes that patience is the number one thing you need in that game. And I think that's one of its main strengths. Mm. It, it just shows you – also it makes everything matter. Like your stamina matters, your health matters, your weight matters, your, your rolling class matters. All that stuff, it matters. Mm. And that's amazing. Uh, that the whole thing that everything matters in the game and there's not anything that that doesn't matter. Um, it, when you play a lot of other character action games, sometimes they're like, "Well, I'll just equip the plate mail and this giant hammer, <laughs> but I'll also do somersaults because I can do that right. now." Uh, and, and it just made everything kind of grounded, but still like really rewarding. It it, it 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 really pulls something off there. Yeah, and I mean, on a uh, to to sort of bring it back to difficult games in general, the the way you described it reminds me of sort of the I guess the platonic form fighting games or or rhythm games should take, mm. where like it's not just well, so to to sort of give away how 
bad I usually am at games like that or, or how unrefined. Um, most of the times I get to a certain learning curve and then mm-hmm. either give up or start mashing buttons and hoping that I get through yeah. it. Um, yes. You know, mashing buttons more so in fighting games than rhythm games, although rhythm games sometimes are that way too. Uh, <laughs> Definitely. Scott Benson. I've oh, been there. Yeah. I mean, Scott Benson said of Night in the Woods, like the bass playing parts, um, like the last bass song you have to play in that game, which is the sort of small rhythm game in the game, it's it's mm-hmm. almost impossible. Like it, you, you're never gonna be able to play it. It's it sounds a lot like Maxwell Murder solo, the Maxwell Murder solo from uh, from that Rancid record. Um, and so like it's really hard. Uh, and he said, yeah, the point is that you're not good at it because May, the character you play, isn't good at it. Um, so <laughs> no, she's not. Yeah. <laughs> what you end up doing is just start mashing buttons, and you get some notes, and most you don't get. Um, but, you know, for actual real rhythm games and real fighting games and those sort of like, uh, on, on the level, on the skill axis of, you know, timing mm. and, uh, knowledge and figuring out exactly how to do everything, you know, really working, working out your fingers, working out your pattern recognition. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, there's a sort of platonic way of doing that where you use the practice room, you play hours and hours trying to nail down like individual notes that you need to get. Um, and slowly just yes. get better at it, um, which Dark Souls incorporates. But I think a lot of those other games, you can kind of take it or leave it. You can sort of play the game as it's meant to be played, or you can play it sort of like as best you can. Definitely, uh, I, I would say that, that like the way that people have, have tried to address this has been different, especially in games that are usually kind of high dexterity and and. I'm going to exclude rhythm games from this because they will always be high dexterity. But I'm going to talk about uh, character action games, uh, games like Bayonetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bayonetta is, is a beautiful game that has this really sexy witch for no apparent sure. reason. <laughs> it, it, but uh, it has a mode that's called auto combat, and the mode is the the game does all the fighting for you. You just have to dodge, huh. and it's just a yeah. And it even does some some small. There's a there's like this thing called witch time, and it kind of does this for you too. Um, and, and it's really nice for people who get really frustrated with mashing buttons because they don't know what they're doing. Right. Of course, but you get to experience the game. You get to experience all the things. You just don't have to worry about all the stuff. It does half of it for you. Which is great in some ways, but also kind of patronizing. <laughs> right. You uh, can't play our game, and, you can't possibly understand it sort of thing. Yes, and I mean, and that's that's also kind of what... There's this whole weird uh, pride thing about, uh, I completed it on very hard mode, and some developers also get into this. I would say uh, uh, Itagaki, you know, the guy who made the Ninja Gaiden games, Kind of, kind of did this a lot. Uh, I, I like over the weekend. I just played through uh, Ninja Gaiden Two again. Oh, great! And yeah, uh, and it has it has this thing. If, if you die in an arena or a certain area too much, it goes. Maybe you want to try this really really easy mode instead. <laughs> and, and then you get a pink ribbon on your on your ninja guy because he's he's not manly enough to 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 do this. And then there's all these uh, dead ninjas littered throughout the the game, 
and they're all pe- after you've been shown like how to do you know the wall run yeah. and the the flying sparrow technique and all those things there's a ninja like usually two or three rooms later on and he's a dead ninja and his last notes is about how he couldn't do the thing and that's why he's dead <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the game is basically telling you you got to learn these things or you're going to die or you're going to die yeah and and it it does do this because the game tries to kill you all the time which i kind of respect yeah it's 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 funny though cuz there's this there's this balance right between the idea of this the sort of like level of difficulty as a generic custom and then difficulty mm-hmm. as a sort of like um like manly proving ground where you totally. yeah and it, it it's totally and sometimes it's like taken to the absurd extreme such as um have you heard of the game I want to be the guy no I haven't heard of it I want to be I want to be the guy is a uh, 2D platformer you're a little guy with a gun and it's basically a walkthrough of all kinds of weird video game tropes, but it's also incredibly difficult to the point of frustration. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it, it's as, as hard as those weird uh, Super Mario ROMs, the Super Mario Kaizo ROMs from, uh, from way back. Yeah. These were alternate levels of Super Mario, and they were just ridiculous. Those are, those are just incredible, and, those, those ROMs. They're so difficult. Yeah, yeah. But I Want to Be the Guy was an entire game of this, and but it also helped that it had that weird um, instant save state, kind of like how Dark Souls or Super Meat Boy has, mm-hmm. where, where it, when you die, you just instantly respawn, no biggie. Okay. But the world is, is cruel and wants to kill you all the time. Uh, and definitely check out some playthroughs of I Want to Be the Guy, or try it yourself you feel Lucky. like you need some frustration <laughs> uh, I, I I played a little bit it's it's very difficult and even I get frustrated sometimes which is which is nice <laughs> I don't get frustrated often with games and it, it's actually kind of refreshing but I wouldn't want to play this all the time because it's also very stressful <laughs> boy yeah some of these games some of these levels I'm looking through them now like some of these levels look incredibly frustrating they are incredibly frustrating and they are like there was a like an old meme about Dark Souls having artificial difficulty because it hid traps and stuff. This thing literally hides the traps from you. There's no way of knowing without going through it once. There, some tiles will literally just explode because you you landed on them, or they're not actually tiles at all, but monsters. Or uh, there's a there's a spike coming out of the floor for no reason. Right. All, all these things. And, but it, it's also very funny, um, you give, and you get to beat up the Hulk, but the Hulk is giant, <laughs> and it, the, the Hulk there is actually the as, as a two D sprite. I think he's the he's the sprite from uh, Marvel vs. Capcom one, yeah. but then he just he's just incredibly difficult and has super armor, and he fills the entire screen. <laughs> it's a fun battle, kind of hard. Yeah. I mean that's sort of that's the that's the crux of it though, right? Where it's like it's a fun battle, and, but it's kind of hard. Where like there's that yeah. balance there that if you get too difficult, you become a novelty, and if it's yes. too easy, then it's not hard enough. Um, which seems like it's this really weird, this really weird balance for developers, and you can see why they get sort of like this level of machismo about it of like, well, just try and beat my game. 
on exactly. Ultimate or just yes. try and be my game on Nightmare Mode or something like that. It's going to be like, it's not easy. Um, yes. Yeah, it's. It, I was just thinking about this today. I've been playing um, uh, uh, Sundered um, mm-hmm. recently that sort of like... Um, uh, it's like a it's like a Metroidvania, but it's all um, fully illustrated. It's really neat. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, a lot of hand-drawn sprites. It's really kind of... Uh, it's a beautiful game. But um, it's not... I, I saw someone complaining about it uh, in comparison to uh, Dead Cells in terms of difficulty. Because when you lose, yeah. you don't lose anything. You just go back to the start and you have to... You know, it's very Dark Souls in that way, except you don't even lose your... Um, coins you don't lose what you'd lose in dark souls like your souls or whatever okay um so you know it's fine like you you can you can upgrade a little more easily uh it's still quite a difficult game but Mm. the difficulty in the game is really about like you know i've been playing it on hard mode and the difficult parts are the game throws so much at you that you can't even possibly be coordinated enough until you kind of get under control and see what you're looking at and know the strategies to deal with it much like the games Mm. you've been describing but it's very interesting to me that the community is still saying yeah i recognize this formula i recognize this kind of like way of you know playing around with the two axes of difficulty the 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 kind of like uh things you have to think about the bible of the game plus the the reflex element but you don't lose enough and it's not as hard as this other game that's really popular so eh, it seems kind of like a little rough to me um that's just like it's such a weird series of hoops to jump through if you're making a game, I would think. Well, it's also because it's not for everyone. It's it's it, it really isn't. Like difficult games are not for everyone, and they shouldn't be. Right. But like, uh, what is it called the 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 one with the the, the, the is it cells the uh, the other roguelike? Oh, dead cells. Dead cells, yes. Because that game is is very punishing, but it also kind of you, you get to keep like the the weapon designs and you get to do stuff like that. But then it's it just I, are the the levels are random as far as yeah, I it's like a roguelike. I guess they're calling them yeah. uh, souls likes or not souls likes like um oh there's like there's a there's a term for it rogue light rogue light yeah rogue light that's right. Yeah, well, that's because, you know, the original of Rogue was basically a incredibly difficult random number generator, <laughs> but it, it but it also had, like, you know, this this core of knowledge that you could apply and therefore win in right. the game. It was really hard. Yeah. I mean, that's an interesting question, too, where, like, the question becomes how much does, how much does the game rely, how much does a difficult game rely on randomness versus mm. like difficulty. So as you say, like the 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 joke about Dark Souls is that it hides traps and so elevates the difficulty and to a degree that's true. But Dark Souls is also like very predictable if you know what's coming. There's not a lot of randomness about Dark Souls. Um not at all. Yeah, but some games have that as you were saying like rogue uh, rogues or roguelikes or um even roguelites in a way have this randomness mm. of like okay Maybe we're not reinventing the entire world, but there are parts that have changed, so you're not going to be able to know what's coming. Um, how, like, how much do you see that as a balance between randomness and difficulty? Is there a difference? Is there a distinction between the two? I I think it's it's so the player doesn't rely on rote memorization, uh, where you can and but it's 
it's kind of ironic because rote memorization is also kind of like the cornerstone of speedrunning, mm-hmm. which is, I think, really difficult to do uh, to speedrun games. Have you ever watched the speedrun charity streams? No, but I've watched speedruns before, and they are, yeah. I mean, they're just, I, I couldn't do it. I mean, that's like, it's it, a level of the skill same. that I just don't have. Exactly. But the, where randomness kind of disallows that, that rote memorization, where it just it kind of encourages you to uh, adapt to general patterns instead of uh, specific patterns, if that makes sense. It's like, you know how to beat the Blue Knight, but now the Blue Knight is in a room with uh, two platforms instead of one, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. It does. Sense. Yeah, I mean, it, it impacts the... I guess what it changes is it changes it from memorization so that you can understand the game like an instrument Mm -hmm. and encourages a kind of difficulty like you'd find in, I mean, this is going to sound pretentious, but I think it's a good analogy, like you'd find in jazz or something like that, where like a lot of it is about, yeah, it's about riffing on expected or unexpected themes. Definitely. And that's like jazz is difficult, but so is playing a Rachmaninoff piece on a piano. Exactly. Two things are really difficult. They're just difficult in completely different ways. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good way of thinking about it. I suppose, actually, maybe musical instruments are the analogy that, that or, uh, you know, music, music in general is the analogy that we need because mm. part of this is, you know, story really does recede to the background in these difficult games. Not always, and, and there are games that really play with difficulty quite nicely. Again, like, you know, I've, I've gone on record as saying I find... Uh, the Souls games to be this this kind of perfect melding between difficulty for the sake of difficulty and difficulty as like a spur to narrative. Um, but yes, it's like the, the the narrative is also kind of hidden behind this difficulty yeah. layer. But that's it's, it's really fascinating. Yeah, and it, it adds up. I mean, like it's it's not like the lore is an incomplete, but and it's up to you how much of it you find of it and. It's, mm-hmm. it's very much like sort of like saying, yeah, look, nothing in this game is going to be easy. That's the point of this world. And that's interesting. Yes. Like, I, I find that to be fascinating. And that's because of what I like in video games and what I like to think about and write about and podcast mm-hmm. about. But, you yes. know, part of the question about video games in general, just outside of me as an individual consumer, is this question of like, okay, how important is narrative to this game? And I think at a certain point, at a certain point, you get like diminishing returns on narrative, and at that moment, the mechanics become the story of the game. Whereby, like, a person playing like a really good round of Street Fighter is going yeah. to be doing something akin to uh, playing a song very well. Uh, definitely. Uh, I I I think like to bring it back to uh, third person character action games, stuff like Vanquish. Mm. or Bayonetta it, it becomes like a kind of like an instrument for expression uh, if you play it really well because you can kind of do your own thing within even though like you know exactly where the enemies come from you can kind of create this beautiful ballet uh, or this perfect flow through the level yeah. Which is very rewarding. Uh, if you tried that in Vanquish, where you just kind of slide around on your knees all day, <laughs> rocket-powered knees, that is, um, while you're trying to shoot giant robots in the head, it's it's, it's amazing. Yeah. 
it's amazing. It, even like um, Metal Gear Revengeance did this also. Yeah, a lot of the platinum where, games end up doing this, right? Like, it, it is it is kind of their brand. Uh, it's, it is their brand. <laughs> like playing games beautifully is is their brand. They want you to play their games in a beautiful manner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and and it's kind of up to you to do that because uh, there's like um. Sound, this sounds really pretentious for me, but there's like a layer of appreciation of them games where you're like, oh yeah, I'll beat them and stuff. And then there's the, I'm going to beat this game in this perfect flow while not touching the ground or, or what have you. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it. There's a again, it, it's it's hard to pin down, but it comes back to this question of like what the game is asking you to do. I think and you yes. said that, and I think that that that's right. Because there's this way in which what a game is asking you to do at any given point is beat the game. And and beat the game can mean a number of different things. Games have been challenging this with permadeath mechanics or games without endings or games without win conditions, whatever. Like, there's... You can mess around with that fairly easily. Um, You can say, like, oh, this game doesn't have a win condition or this game has, like, sort of a complicated win condition. Or you could do, like, Nier does and say, like, this game has five or, you know, ten or (laughs) twenty-six win conditions. Um, And they all make you sad. Yeah, or loss conditions, as the case may be. (laughs) <laughs> but but like the the actual thing that outside of that the thing that the developer is saying like you know here's what I'd like you to do with the mechanics in a perfect world you know yes. a that's very um it's a little vague it's like it's hard to kind of like figure out why that's happening or how that's happening or whatever um mm. But the other thing that, that's been really good in pinning that down and, and something that goes along with the GameFAQs era of the internet or a little later is that we've now been able to see people put up videos of the ways they play video games. We've been able to actually watch people do this well and have something yes. to strive for in this sort of virtuosity, um, yeah. which, you know, maybe maybe they want you to do it, like the uh, like Dark Souls or like fighting games or something like that. Or maybe they don't, as in the Prey speed run uh, that was going around mm-hmm. a little while ago where someone beat it in like eight minutes. Um, which is very funny. They used glitches. It was, it's kind of a sight to behold, but, um, you know, there's, there's, there's versions of both, but the virtuosity now has just become its own thing because we can actually see what it should look like. Yes. I very much agree. And that's also like when you see people play a game, well, it's kind of satisfying to watch that. Mm. It's also why you like when you watch somebody stream and they're playing the game poorly, you get really mad. Yeah. And, and that's because you all you feel well personally for me, I feel like they're kind of disrespecting the game, even though it's it's totally not their fault. It, it, it's not. That's it, kind of unfair. It's like uh, they're given an instrument and you're like, play this instrument, and they're like, um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, so. Hello everyone, I'm just going to stream my, uh, I haven't picked this up yet, but this is a clarinet, like, let's see how I do. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's pretty much it, and that's, I would get mad at the person playing the clarinet like that too, but then, but you would totally watch a really good clarinet player, it's like, yeah, I'm just going to chill and play my clarinet for a bit. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That would be awesome. Of course you'd watch Twitch versions of that. Oh my god, yeah. But at the same point, it's like Twitch is Twitch is this demo. I guess it's the other the other end of the. Uh, it's the way the knife cuts back, where you get this yes. you get this democrat democratization of uh, you know video game information and video game mastery and stuff like that. Yes. But then you also get 
the that it's everyone can do it. And I'm I'm reminded as I am often of uh, and I don't think I brought this up on the podcast, but it was one of those moments where I kind of realized how the internet worked. Um, mm. In uh, in Goldeneye, there was a, a a a code. I don't remember. I don't know how how old you are, or what video games you played, but. I'm old enough to have played Gold Okay, Eye. there you go. So we, we are probably similarly aged. Um, yes. The, yeah, so I played a lot of GoldenEye, and there were codes in GoldenEye, or, like, cheats you could get. And the cheats in GoldenEye yep. were really built into GoldenEye. Um, a friend mm-hmm. of mine would uh, made, like, a sort of cottage industry of taking people's cartridges. He got so good at GoldenEye, he would take people's cartridges, unlock all the... Um, basically the achievements and then get it back to them. So they had like, you know, DK mode <laughs> plus all, you know, two golden guns or whatever. Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, like 20 bucks or whatever. You do that. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's nice little cottage industry. Uh, but he, um, the one code he never found and because it didn't exist was uh, the, uh, <laughs> there was a thing going around on the internet that was like a nude code for golden eye um, that yes. everyone would be nude. And I don't know, like, even as a teenage boy, I was like, well, they're all, like, polygons. It's not really going to be that interesting, but, you know, whatever. Let's see if it, let's, let's see. Like, because I still was a teenage boy, so, you know, you, you sort of, like, suggest something like that, and it's like, well, got to see if it's real. Um, Digital boobs are still boobs, my that's friend. That's right, yeah, when you're, when you're, when you're 13. You're, <laughs> when you're 13, You're not picky. Um, but... <laughs> The 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 way that it had it, if anyone remembers Goldeneye, the the first level's the dam, and the way to yeah. get the cheat was to get through the dam, I think on double agent mode, uh double O agent mode, uh without firing a shot. And I was like I was like, <laughs> Alright, that's fine, I can do that probably. And so I just ran, right? I ran past all the guards, I didn't bother, you know, obviously I couldn't shoot mm-hmm. them. Um, didn't throw a punch, didn't do anything, just ran. Um, and of course I'm getting shot to death by all these guards and trying to weave around and, and stay alive. And I get to the part in the dam where you need to shoot open a gate, shoot a lock off a gate. It's the only way, oh, no. it's the only way forward in the entire level. There's one lock. It's basically the game's <laughs> way of teaching you, Hey, if you see a padlock, you can shoot it. Um, <laughs> and, and it, it stops you. And I realized I was like, this is an elaborate, like, I didn't know the language for it, but it's an elaborate troll. It's a way of saying, like, <laughs> you can't do this. But it's also, like, <laughs> it's this it's this perfect distillation of, like, what, what video games on the internet are, which is, like, some people telling you super useful information and reinventing the games for you in this really, like, wild way. Um, yes. And 95% of it just being nonsense that isn't useful to you or is misleading or is poorly done. Um, and it's like, it really is like equal parts, good and bad because that 5% that's really good at is, and I, I like that you've, I like that you put it this way cause it, it really clarifies it a lot for me. It really does kind of change the way we understand the games themselves. Hmm. Yes, definitely. I, I, I will also admit that I looked desperately for the nude code in the first Tomb Raider on my PlayStation. <laughs> Classic. Yes. And it involved uh, a bunch of elaborate uh, acrobatics tricks you had to do in her mansion. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was just like you, you got to do triple flips and then you have to do a handstand here. And it, it was like, oh, man, why, 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 why isn't she nude yet? <laughs> because it's so because it's not real. Because someone was trolling you too. <laughs> yes. It's the, it's the, I mean, to, to sort of 
touch back to another thing we were talking about. I mean, it's like there's this there's this world in which I think a lot of you know preteens playing N sixty four came from, where what you got before that was in video game magazines, and they didn't lie. They would. You know, there were well. Sometimes they did, or some yeah. Sometimes they did, or sometimes they were misleading, or whatever. I'm thinking mostly of Nintendo Power, which was like the mouthpiece for Nintendo, so they had no yeah. reason to lie. Uh, That's true. But like, you know, but there are weird things they discovered, like the Sonic uh, debug mode is really weird, and if you just kind of suggested that it was real, like, oh yeah, there's a code you can put in, and you can play as like the villains in Sonic or any you know pl- any sprite in Sonic you could roll around as or whatever. That sounds yeah. nonsensical, but it's real. It's true. Like it's something you can do in Sonic, um, and, and so like this is the world I was coming from, and I, I think a lot of people are coming from. And you see a code like that, and you're just thinking like, well, that's weird, but I'm sure it's real. I mean, I've never seen a code that isn't real. I've seen codes I can't pull off, but mm. I've never seen codes that aren't real. And so like this idea that all of a sudden the game had changed to the point that anyone could put up that ridiculous code and you know, disseminated to poor, unsuspecting 13-year-olds, uh, which is funny in retrospect. <laughs> like, don't get me it wrong. It is hilarious retrospect. Um, is, I mean, but it's just different. You know what I'm interested in? What I'm really interested in in thinking in, in, in sort of getting your thoughts on? Because we've been, we've actually, like, mm-hmm. this has been a very efficient episode. We've, we've got down to the matter of things very quickly, which is nice, because I think uh, varying varying lengths of episode is a good thing, not just in terms yes. of, not just in terms of as they get uh, consistently longer and unwieldy, um, which yes. is my fault, not my guest's fault. But um, <laughs> just to be clear, but the um, you know the one thing I was really curious about is so we're in this moment where all the most popular games are on some level defined by their difficulty. So Telltale yes. games are defined by the fact that they're not necessarily difficult on the level of you know, pressing a button every five seconds or something like that, um, or every I, two seconds. I would tell, I would say that the Telltale games uh, are not difficult per se, but they want to stress that stuff matters. Yeah. A- and I, I, I think that's um, a thing uh, where we went from the previous gaming generation, where a lot of stuff didn't matter in the sense that you could complete a game without. Even touching one tenth of the of the content, and I think the developers tried to interesting. try to force people to engage with their content by making everything matter, and that's why the Telltale games, uh, like all the choices and when you cut to the rope or what have you. I've only played um, The Walking Dead of the Telltale games, and it was very powerful. And it also felt like everything mattered, and I was really stressed about it. <laughs> yeah, I guess someone was describing to me. Um, oh, it was my it was my uh, co-host on uh, the Inquisitive Grunt, our podcast about um, uh, the terrible Tim Allen vehicle, uh, Last Man Standing. Uh, oh my god, I need to see. Yeah, Rousdower um, uh, <laughs> at NKVD's nuts. Um, okay. <laughs> he, he he got in touch with me, and he uh, he was saying he's playing the new Batman Telltale series. And he was like, oh. he was like, yeah, it's it's cool. It's like it, um, it's replaced the the kind of like feeling that nothing mattered, like none of your choices mattered in the bat in the first one, with this feeling mm-hmm. that every single choice you have matters, and you can't possibly make the right one. It will hurt anyone you play, it, any anyone any choice you make, and it's harrowing and hard to play. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, that's difficult. Like it's a sort of emotional difficulty. 
No, no, that, that totally sounds like the Batman experience. If you've read any co- yes. Batman comic book, yeah. all his choices suck, well, and he just tries really hard to make it not suck. Yeah, it's why, it's why like, you know, the, the sort of, like, version of Batman where he's super powerful or able to, like, solve all his problems without tragic loss never really yes. line up. It's always, like, the better ones are always, like... Wow, Batman has like three rough choices, and I wonder which one he's gonna make. I, oh, it's the worst one. Okay, <laughs> like I guess. Yeah. Um, well, I guess a lot of people gonna die, and Batman can't do anything. I about guess it. he's gonna feel real bad about this one. Um, <laughs> but it's like it's the it's the um, it's the Neil Adams Batman, basically, like that the the a, AKA yeah. the best Batman. Um, but oh, that's that's a little strong, but one of the best. <laughs> but uh, one of the best. Yeah, I mean, and then on the other end of it, it's like the games that are defined by their difficulty, like, um, you know, there there are sort of like the new Twitch games, like uh, Danganronpa, or um, or any of the rhythm games that are coming out or fighting games. I mean, there's a million sort of rhythm games, uh, or just difficulty. Uh, that Binding are there. of Isaac is also one of them, I would say. What's that? The Binding of Isaac. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, roguelikes. I mean, there's just like this huge, huge resurgence in games like Binding of Isaac or Nuclear Throne. That are like yeah. pure Twitch games that, you know, basically just the mechanic is you die all the time. <laughs> and and that's because I, I think that they learned that the death isn't, you know, the end, mm-hmm. so to speak. Yeah. And the way to make it not suck to die is that you, you don't have to wait too long after you die. Like, if every time you died in the game, is this happened a lot in uh, previous generations that... There was this huge elaborate um, animation and, uh, you know, really sad music and the scream in black. And, and then, but this was a one minute and 30 seconds uh, sequence every time you died. So you did not want to die at any point. Right. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, game, the length and if everything. Game was very, yeah, if a game was very difficult, this meant that it was just so punishing that you died because you, you got taken out of it for such a long time. Also, the the level had to reload. Right. Yeah, and I mean that was like I would I would rage quit a lot more often in games like that than games like um like games like Sundered. Like the I die all the yeah. time in Sundered, and the way the loading works, they clearly understand. Like, yeah, you're gonna die a lot here. We'll preload the levels for you that you're gonna go into. It'll take a little yes. bit up top, but then you want it to do it once you die. So I won't rage quit that, but I'll I definitely rage quit games where it's like you got to be kidding me. I am not waiting through this stupid like. 30 minute yeah. like ent- entry again like I'm not going to sit here while the screen says loading and gives me a tip I'm done also it's going to play a cutscene that you've seen yeah, 6,000 times you can't skip it yeah exactly I guess that's that's a really that's a really interesting thing like and it might it might be a good it might be a good closing thought cuz like it yeah. really is true that that games have changed recently I never really thought about it this way but that's it's a really really smart point games have changed mm-hmm. recently in order to make death not so much of a punishment but actually something that just kind of like happens in the game yes and it's actually kind of weird because it kind of goes back to the old arcade games mm. in that sense too because a, a lot of you know death safe states in old final fight games or your like your your vertical shooter games death was instantaneous you just had to put in a coin and then you were back in the game yeah, but the game was hard as hell. Yeah, so you spent a lot of money on it. So you spent a lot of money on it, and but and then they realized, well, we can do this at home, 
and we don't have to waste a ton of animation budget on showing you you die all the time. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes they, they even, you know, use it for, for fun effect. Uh, for example, in uh, Super Meat Boy, when you complete a level, you can do that thing where it plays all your, 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 your attempts. <laughs> and it... it and you can see like where where you die all the time, and then the, the the at the end of the level it just shows it's you know covered in hamburger meat. That's so funny. It's a great little, yeah, it's a it's a great little feature, and it shows that you know okay you died, but we're gonna make something out of it. And I think I've seen some people try to make uh like little artworks out of it by dying in the right places. That's funny, really. Yeah, so just really, uh, really playing around with it, not using it as a punishment or something that they're furious about, but like something that's actually kind of like part of the game as much as the victory condition is. Yes. Interesting. Definitely. But as I said, that was a that was the players, you know, trying to die the right places so that you could make a cool pattern or what have you. Because you can do that in Meatball. Yeah, that's great. No, and it's it also it also ties back into like I don't know what's true about actual games that aren't video games and something that like I think. Mm was was truer when video games weren't as ambitious early on when they were just like you know Atari games or something like that where like literally mm-hmm. it was like a game of cards where yeah of course you lose you can't win every time like just try again uh exactly. but once games become narrative narrativized which is good and once games become complicated which is good uh that loss condition of like yeah okay you lose sometimes that doesn't really happen in a novel it doesn't happen in a piece of art it's like that's kind of frustrating, and so like. It, uh, excuse me, I played uh, Swords and Sorcery games on my book for several times. <laughs> that's true. I'm sorry. Those books that you play on the bus so that no one ever will talk to you or date you. Um, that's because, totally because I I've also played them, and let me tell you, while I was playing them, I did not get a lot of action. Um, <laughs> but uh, you can lose those books, but uh, yes. most of the time you can't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, I mean, it truly is. Like, it's, it, I guess, to actually use that, to actually, like, take your point seriously, though, they've, they've kind of taken the mechanical cue from a choose your own adventure book where, like, oh, I lost. Well, I'll just turn back two pages and try again in a different way. Exactly. And that helps a whole bunch in your, uh, because the fear of loss and the fear of investment, this even happens in, to bring it back to Souls, you die a lot in Souls. You, you, you can't not, and you lose you lose some, but it actually you don't feel so bad about it that you want to throw away the controller most of the time, unless you have like a hundred billion souls and yeah. you, you're gonna upgrade that weapon. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, that's the worst. And then you don't get back to your yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, that it can is happen. The worst. You can you can rage quit souls, but it's it's rare for the kind of game it's, it is. Exactly, and it's just it it just it, it gives you it says you died, now go back into it. And it, a lot of games do this now. Even like Metal Gear did this. Uh, Metal Gear Solid. Mm-hmm. When you died in Metal Gear Solid, it it did the snake, snake, snake. Yeah, right, exactly. And, and then the loading screen, but then it would go right back into it. And that's a like especially the first Metal Gear Solid. I played that game so many times. <laughs> I, I I um I the way I completed Metal Gear Solid was. I would choke everybody out, and I would ideally choke over 600 soldiers out. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I played the game. That's why I always got the. Uh, well, you you could set up this loop where the soldiers would keep on spawning, and then you could like lure them around a corner, and then grab them, and then choke them out, and then another one would come, and you could just keep on doing that. And why would you do that? 
because it was fun and I needed ammo. Ah, uh, okay, I understand. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah, so I mean, in, in, in Metal Gear, it's like, it, it really does key you back into the action super quickly. And it seems like that's kind of what games are doing, right? They're they're not so they're not so invested in themselves as narratives that they've forgotten about mechanics. Let's say that. Um, yes. And so these difficult games, like the rise of difficult games, might be also the rise of sort of like companies that are actually concerned with how their games play. I think like the rise of difficult games is uh, an attempt to make uh, the players engage with the entirety of their content and not just uh, shallowly engaging with like the the top level systems mm. of, of games. Yeah. And and increasing difficulty. Uh, kind of forces you to engage the game on its own terms uh, because um, you you can't complete the entire game by pressing the X button at all <laughs> enemies. Uh, th- that's the thing. There's like there's a first order strategy, and if that strategy can carry you through the entire game, then you won't discover any subsystems because you don't need to. Right. There's no there's no need to, and I. Think of hearing, of like listening to several game developer interviews, they were very frustrated with this because they put a lot of effort into these cool subsystems and nobody was using them. Yeah, of course. So why would they? And, and yeah, they could be good or they could be bad, but it didn't really matter. Mm. But nobody was engaging with them because you could just, you know, why don't you just use the stick and hit them with them, and then 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 the level's over. <laughs> Right, yeah, right. You wouldn't have you wouldn't have to use uh, any of the special moves, or you wouldn't have to worry about what your balance was, or what your you know your agility exactly. was, or anything like that. Just you know, spam strength and, that, and magic, and you're good. Yeah, and that's that's why that's like that, that's also why you know Dark Souls did so well because it made everything matter. Yeah, everything. Matters. Yeah, your stamina bar matters. Your well, your all those things they matter, and it's and, and that that made you. That forced you to engage with the game on its own terms. You could you could do that on your own terms. Also, I mean, you can be like, I want to be a ranged guy, and you can, but then you have to do it on the game's terms. Still. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I think you know, I I like that because it is it is true that there are so many games, especially in the PS1 uh, and and PS2 era that mm-hmm. just have all of these systems going on that you never even touch. And the idea that games are becoming concerned about themselves as holistic objects is actually very encouraging to me. I, I like that. I like that reading quite a bit. Definitely. And and it's also like, I, I think it's a it's a definite design challenge because either you can like put a, a level or sequence that forces you to use a different subsystems within the game, or you can make... Um, like you can have a the stealth level or the water level or or what have you, and that's a approach in the past, and those were mostly seen as a nuisance. Mm-hmm. Or it can try kind of force you into using all the systems like holistically, and it and a good way of doing that is increasing difficulty because then you need all the options, mm. especially if none of the options are singularly strong. Yeah, no, that's great. Actually, I I, I want to end on that because that is the best description yes. of why difficulty matters that I've that I've come up with. That's fantastic. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I've I've been wondering about it for a while now, and that makes a ton of sense. Actually, I like that. Well, well, thanks a lot. I I 
think sometimes about video games. No, you no, you think some. Yes, you do think sometimes about video games. And, and <laughs> people can find people can find your thoughts at, at Twitter. But is there anything else you want to plug? Uh, no, not really. Uh, I I just like to plug your your show. It's pretty good. <laughs> but I I have no, I have nothing. Uh, no, this you know projects on the side or anything okay so well i mean uh thanks for the plug hopefully uh the people listening to the show liked the plug for the show um, yes exactly. <laughs> uh but yeah no uh, so any last thoughts anything like that uh i'd love to be back on yeah, please to scold you about video uh sorry scold you about fighting games and yeah it'll be happening yeah. it'll yeah you you'll you'll have to come on to scold me about fighting games because i'm going to be i'm going to be making a lot of rookie mistakes so it'll it'll be very exciting for everyone to be like, why did you do that? Like, well, I haven't no no I haven't been serious I, about I, this in a long time. <laughs> I I want to I want to show you how to approach fighting games to learn them instead of just playing them, and I think that would be a useful experience for maybe other listeners. All right, yeah, definitely. It's a date. We'll do it. All right. All right. That sounds great. Sounds good. Thanks, Ian. Thank you. Hey. Okay.